Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Bloomington, Indiana, and it's time for another Big Ten football preview. This time we're looking at week 10. We're here in the month of November. Time for some down-to-the-wire sort of games. Everybody's fighting for something, whether you're fighting for the playoff, you're fighting for a bowl game. A lot on the line here in the next few weeks. And joining me, as always, to break it down in Columbus, Ohio, his name is Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Patrick. We're starting to hear more and more throughout you know, just classroom settings and in the dorms, wherever I, all I hear talk, people talking about is the Michigan scandal. And I'm excited to talk some more about it in this episode, but it's, I mean, it's kind of a a topic of conversation everywhere. It's obviously a huge deal right now at Ohio state. A lot of Ohio state fans have a vested interest in Michigan getting in trouble and Michigan failing. So um, I'm excited to get into that and a couple of things in this episode. So let's start with that, Reed, the news of the day. It feels like every single episode of this show these days, there's a, a new break in the case uh, with the Michigan cheating scandal and I guess the variety of scandals at Michigan since there's also the computer fraud scandal that the FBI is looking into that broke last week per ESPN. But beyond that, the cheating scandal is the big topic of the day in the Big Ten. And right now, Reed, as of earlier today, reported by Nicole Auerbach of The Athletic, among others, the rest of the Big Ten's coaches apparently got on a call, Reed, and they had something that they like to call the airing of grievances. I've got people, and now you're going to hear about them. Shout out to Frank Costanza, uh, Seinfeld. If you're not familiar, it's a festivist tradition. It always begins with the airing of grievances. Reed, in the Big Ten, it seems like this is a festivist for the rest of us, at least the rest of us who aren't spying on other teams. Yeah, Wheezy F Baby and the F is for Festivus, F is for Frank Costanza, whatever you want to say there. Um, yeah, I, 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 we were talking about this before the episode of how often do you get all the coaches in the Big Ten together um, talking about anything? I mean, it's just kind of such a bizarre The last time was the pandemic, I think. It's yeah, the last time I, it was reported. It's just, it's a crazy situation. And the, and the tweet from Nicole Auerbach says, um, one of the coaches has said the playing field is not level right now. How can you have a team that you know has a competitive advantage over you still being allowed to play? That's what the coaches are grappling with. And it's an interesting question because on one hand, you know, even though more evidence continues to come out, these are still allegations that are being investigated. This is an active investigation. So you can't just call Michigan season off. And I also, I still, I don't think that will happen. I think Michigan will complete this 2023, 24 season. Mm-hmm. Really, no matter what, unless something unbelievably catastrophic comes out, I think they will finish this season. But still, it is an interesting question to consider because at what point do you draw the line and say it's not fair for an opponent of Michigan to have to play this team? I mean, some it, we're also in a world where a lot of this evidence is coming out on Twitter and, you know, certain things can be faked or it's it's kind of up to the viewer's discretion as to what they believe and what they don't. And one thing I find really interesting with this whole Michigan situation is the Central Michigan allegations that Connor Stallions yeah. was on the Central Michigan sideline. Now, I am really hesitant to believe that he somehow found his way onto an opposing or to uh, a, a non-conference Michigan State opponent's sideline wearing the official team gear to spy on them. There's some people talking about how his sunglasses were apparently recording sunglasses that had a camera in them, which I, again, I, I'm hesitant to Sounds believe. Sounds like that. some Mission Impossible kind of stuff. Is that yeah. is that real? Can you exactly. buy those? I don't think. Let me actually think, look that up. I don't think anyone would do this for any game, let alone a game against Michigan State. 
because we saw last season how bad Michigan State was. We knew they were going to get worse this season, and it just seems like of all the teams to go, you know, complete Mission Impossible mode on, you'd think it'd be Ohio State, Penn State, maybe even Wisconsin or Iowa, but Michigan State is the team that you're pulling out all the stops for and pretending to be a coach of the opposing team. That I find hard to believe, and a lot of the damning evidence is just people on Twitter saying, here's a guy on the sidelines with a goatee. But what's interesting, though, is there was an interview with Jim McElwain this week, head coach of Central Michigan, and he said, we're trying to figure out who this is. Connor Stallion's name was not on any of our passes or anything. We're trying to figure out who this person was on our sideline. How do you not know the names of the people on your own sideline? My my instinct in seeing this, this picture was that, oh, he's just some guy who works for Central Michigan who sort of looks like Connor Stallion's. But apparently now the head coach doesn't know who he is and no one in the program is able to say, yeah, this is Jim Smith and he does this, this, this and that for us. So who the hell knows? Maybe Connor Stallions was dressing up as a Central Michigan coach and there's just so much more at play here that we don't know about. But that would have to be the most bizarre thing of all time for me. I, I don't even think it's the most bizarre part of this story. I mean, Connor Stallions still is a guy who wrote the 600-page Michigan Manifesto. I wouldn't put this past him, especially I think it adds a little bit of credence to it when you think about this Central Michigan-Michigan State game being a Friday night week one. Michigan, of course, played East Carolina that same Saturday. So could have pulled it off. It's not like Ann Arbor and East Lansing are all that far apart. So uh, getting a little bit of advanced scouting in, I guess, if you're Connor Stallions and that's what you'd been, been getting away with, at least for as long as you thought you were. But beyond that, Reed, I did just look into it. You can buy video camera sunglasses. and They're about 200 bucks. So I don't know what the quality is, but I'm kind of intrigued. That sounds kind of cool. Feel, feel like a, a super spy. Feel like Connor Stallions. I don't know what I'd feel like, but, uh, it seems like something from a movie. It doesn't seem like real technology, but it's out there. I guess you can do that. Remember Google Glasses kind of reminds me of that. That didn't mm. end up catching on. So who knows? Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. I think it's a really interesting story if he was, in fact, on that Central Michigan sideline. But, Reed, I want to talk about this coaches meeting real quick. I want to backtrack to that. When you think about all 13 other head coaches in the Big Ten getting on a Zoom call, talking to each other, and being in agreement that Michigan is playing with an unfair advantage this season and the conference knows it, but what can the conference do? Because I don't think there's definitive proof right now. There has not been an official statement saying that Michigan did this, that we know for a fact they did it. Obviously there's a lot of allegations out there. There's a lot of smoke and there's very likely a fire, but what can the big 10 even do without a written notice that said, it is confirmed they did this. It had this effect. They did it this many times. What can you do, especially in the middle of the season? I think their hands are a little bit tied. Yeah, I agree. And when it comes to what they can do, they realistically can do whatever they want. And they don't even need the NCAA's approval. But it's more of a question of what should they do or what will they do? Because you're right. It is their hands are a little bit tied. You can't just willy-nilly cancel team season or anything like that until you have this definitive proof. And things take time. I mean, you're not going to snap your fingers and all of a sudden have the answer to everything that's going on in Ann Arbor. Mm -hmm. and it's an so, ongoing investigation for a reason. Exactly. And I also think, you know, I don't want to sound like, uh, you know, the Big Ten is corrupt or, you know, money is the only thing that matters or, or whatever, but they stand to lose a lot of money if Michigan stops playing football. There is a serious interest in Michigan continuing to play football this season. I don't think they're willing to just give up unless there is substantial proof right now. Even still, I would find it hard to believe that this team would just stop playing. Because when have we ever seen this happen, that a team just, their season is just cut off? 
maybe mm-hmm. the, the coach is suspended or many members of the coaching staff are suspended or and not including the pandemic of course right exactly but yeah i mean how often do we see as a disciplinary measure halfway through the season your season's just over it's just the most unheard of concept but again we're, we're it's sort of an unheard of situation how often do you hear about teams going into stadiums and spying but then it also begs the question of is anybody else doing this? Because I saw mm. some tweet that said, you know, a lot of coaches aren't really speaking out of this, which makes you believe maybe they're doing similar things behind closed doors and they don't want to, you know, draw any attention to it. So I really do wonder, is Michigan, because you have to think, I mean, Michigan is one of the most premier college football teams that there is. And Ever. to think that they, it's hard to believe they're the only ones pulling off this kind of operation, because it, it seems on one hand, it seems really sloppy and lousy just with how much of a paper trail is being left. But at the same time, it's a really intricate system. There's a lot of people involved, a lot of moving pieces. This is clearly something that they've put some thought into uh, if all these allegations we continue to see are true. And it just makes you wonder, can they really be the only ones doing this? And my guess, Reed, is that this offseason, it's weird for this to break during the season, number one. But number two, my guess is that this offseason, we're probably going to find out a lot more of this. If This is probably just the harbinger of the rest of it. I feel like the floodgates are going to open on another sign stealing scale because it can't just be them. Michigan's just one team trying to get an advantage allegedly, but they don't need to, in theory, at least get the upper hand the way that a lot of other schools would need to get the upper hand because Michigan has such a talent advantage over nearly every team in the country, certainly nearly every team in the big 10 conference. So Reed, you got to imagine it's not just them. And I got to think that eventually something else is going to break. But at the same time, the fact that the other 13 coaches in the conference are on a call with each other and talking about what needs to be done, the action that needs to be taken against Michigan. And it seems like a lot of people are on the same page about this. Maybe it is just them. And maybe they're the ones who uh, are cheating and everybody knows it. And it's just a matter of them being punished. And then suddenly everything's back to normal, or at least what we thought was normal. But Reed, last thought on, on this before we move on to the, the meat and potatoes of this episode. Who do you think, which coach would you like to hear from the most on this top secret airing of grievances? And who do you think suggested that Michigan should effectively have their season shut down? Let's speculate. Well, the person I really want to hear the most talk about this is Tom Allen, because I just think hearing, well, I just don't think it's fair. <laughs> he had like one comment in one press conference. Integrity of the game. <laughs> yeah, I think hearing Tom Allen's voice talking about this would be hysterical. Um, I mean, I think in terms of s- suggesting their season should be suspended, I don't know who would say that because on one hand, you could see Ryan Day saying that. It would be a much clearer path to the playoff and a path to a Big Ten title if Ohio State just didn't have to play Michigan and they just had them out of the way. But at the same time, Ohio State playing Michigan is such an important thing and it's something he and his program emphasize all the time. So who knows if Day would rather just sort of thug it out against Michigan or if they'd rather just not have to worry about them at all. Um, it, it's kind of a hard thing to speculate. And I would think maybe it would be somebody who has to play Michigan later in this season. So it's a pretty short list. You know, that's Penn state, Purdue, Ohio state. And who else is it? Maryland. You know. They didn't play Maryland yet, did they? Yeah. Maryland. Yeah. Maryland, Purdue, Penn state, Ohio state. So maybe one of those four coaches, Maryland's still trying to get the six wins. It's not a clear path. I could see James Franklin suggesting that because that sounds like James Franklin. (laughs) First of all, it does seem pretty James Franklin-y. And (laughs) if Penn State doesn't have to play Michigan this year, that's one more difficult game that could be a loss that's off the schedule. They could end the year with one loss by eight points to one of the best teams in the country on the road. That's a playoff contending resume. So I could actually 
don't see Penn State suggesting this. I think that's it, right? Right there, Reed. I, I think we've uh, we've cracked the case. Absolutely. Please uh, do not take us seriously. We, we we don't mean anything more than just fun speculation here. Uh, we're keeping it light. We're keeping it easy. But uh, yeah, that's our thoughts on the latest break in the case here with the Michigan cheating scandal. With that being said, Reed, let's look at Week Ten of Big Ten football. Sometimes when you get in the weeds of uh, the administrative aspects of collegiate athletics, whether it's conference realignment or whether it's a scandal like this, you forget that there are actual games that have to be played, including several major ones this weekend. Michigan is back in action this week, among others, and we'll talk about it. But I'll let you kick this one off, Reed. Let's talk about what we're watching for. What are you watching for in this week's games? I'm watching for the new number one team in the country, Ohio State. New playoff rankings just came out, or the first playoff rankings of the season just came out. And I do believe history has not been too kind to the first number one in the playoff rankings uh, when November begins. So Ohio State could have its work cut out for it um, as they go down the stretch this season. Um, but I am really interested by this new committee ranking because I had Ohio State as number one. I think Ohio State should be number one right now. They've proved it the most. They've had they have two of probably the three best wins in the country so far this year, and you compare that to the resumes of Michigan and Georgia, Michigan and Georgia have looked pretty good lately, but like we talked about in the, in many past episodes, they haven't really played anybody too impressive. And Michigan has been blowing teams out more than Georgia has, I think, but even still, you know, Georgia's had a couple big wins here and there, but the strength of record, the strength of schedule are just nothing compared to what Ohio state has. I mean, the, the best wins for Georgia are Kentucky and Florida, neither team I'm very impressed by. And then on Michigan's end, it's Rutgers and Minnesota. I mean, neither of those are very impressive either. So, I think it simply just comes down to Ohio State has had the best results so far, and they deserve that number one spot. But, you know, there's a lot of discussion. There's a lot of discussion about how Georgia is the two-time defending national champion. They haven't lost yet, so they should still be number one. Um, I I don't really think it matters that much at this point in the season who the number one team is. I think really – I don't think it really matters who the number one team is ever as long as you're in the top four. And even right now, being in the top four doesn't matter very much because there are still four games of regular season football left to be played in conference championship week. Um, but I am interested to see how the number one ranking affects Ohio state, because every program ever, they hit you with a coach speak of, it doesn't matter what people on the outside say, it doesn't matter what our ranking is, whatever, but Ohio state has been sort of having this chip on shoulder all season, Ohio against the world. They don't believe in us. They don't think you're tough. They don't think you can beat a tough Notre Dame team. They don't think this and that. And now all of a sudden they're the number one team in the country, according to the, the governing body of the college football playoff, the only one that really matters. So now I still think Ohio state can have something to prove, but there's much less to prove people already believe in them. So can this team sort of play with the lead, so to speak, I'm interested to see because Ohio state, we talked about this many times on the show, Ohio state tends to play better as underdogs. This could be, have a negative effect on the Buckeyes. I think that's absolutely worth considering Reed. But first thing I want to note, I don't think the college football playoff is the only rankings that matters. I like to think it's the student media poll because it's well, the one that right, me and you right. put together. As, I think we're contractually obligated to say that true. at some point where the Buckeyes still sit third in the nation behind Michigan and Georgia. And I think the argument for Ohio State at number one is exactly what you laid out there, Reed. They've played the toughest schedule of any of the undefeated top five caliber teams in the country. They've got the talent clearly. And in addition to that, you might not think it's an impressive margin of victory every single week, but they are routinely covering the spread routinely every single week. It, it seems like they're doing that unless, you know, you go back to the IU game, but they still won that one by three scores. And 
Uh, I've certainly seen Michigan have less impressive performances this year, including their, their season opener with, with East Carolina. It's not like they looked like world beaters in that game or, you know, there were a couple others early in the season for Michigan. And then there's the whole scandal hanging over Michigan as well right now. And Georgia has really struggled with, with some not so good teams. I don't think that there's a far and away perfect team this season in the sport read. And I, I think that that makes it way more interesting, but it also makes it a lot tougher to decide, okay, who is the best team? Who should be the favorite? Who's the team with the target on their back? And this Ohio State team doesn't feel like a number one overall team when you see them play, but it's tough to argue with the resume, in my opinion. And I think right now, uh, if they're not the best team, they're the second best team. And I've had Michigan number one simply because of the way they've beaten teams. Largely, you know, Michigan struggled to start the season, but since then they have rolled against everybody and it's not even been remotely competitive in, in any of their games but the scandal is really as it continues to roll on we continue to learn more about it making me think okay maybe michigan shouldn't be number one there's more to this than meets the eye ohio state feels like they fit the bill right now reed how does the scandal at michigan play into your opinion on, on where they should be ranked as of right now i don't really think about it at all um because again everything is allegations and you know, who knows? We, we kind of we're looking at some of the more evidence that comes out is about stuff that happened last season. I haven't seen too much about games they've gone to this year. And I also don't think they would have needed any sort of science dealing to beat any of the teams they've beaten so far. So I don't really consider it right now. Um, I can't really take anything away from them until something's proven. Um, but I do think, again, it, it's just about who looks the best in the field, who has the best wins. And that's Ohio State right now. And so. That's how I'm going to continue to rank them until they fall down or somebody else rises up tremendously. Yeah. I mean, if Georgia, if Georgia blows Missouri out this week, I will seriously have to consider putting George number one. And I think that's fair. But at the same time, just a couple of weeks ago, Georgia struggled with Vanderbilt. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's all about, um, you know, looking at everything holistically. I, I do think the more recent weeks matter more, but I, I still think every week matters and you have to consider mm-hmm. all of them. So, yeah, I think, we, and Georgia has some good teams coming up. So so I think – and Michigan does too. They have Penn State and Ohio State uh, in the last three weeks of the season. So by the end of the year, everybody will have a solid body of work to look at and evaluate them by. I completely agree. All right, Reed. Moving on from that point, what I'm watching for this week, a night game in November. Reed, this to me only felt like a setting that you could toggle on and off in dynasty mode in NCAA football when you were going into your conference and saying what your conference rules are going to be, the house rules, if you will. But now it's a reality here in the Big Ten Conference this Saturday night, Michigan playing a night game in November in the big house against the Purdue Boilermakers 730 kickoff on NBC. It's going to be weird. I'm not opposed to it simply because, at least as a television viewer, I'm not opposed to it because I think the Big Ten is the most interesting conference to watch. Obviously, I have the most skin in the game in the Big Ten, and having Big Ten games on in each of the three major windows of the day makes my day a lot more interesting as a college football fan. So from that perspective, I'm certainly not opposed, and I know NBC likes it a lot too. But, Reed, how do you feel about a night game in November, both as a television viewer and as a fan in the stands? And I think the answer to those two things is probably different. Well, how about you ask me how I feel next week when I'm going to be Wearing long underwear, long sleeve shirt, boots, yep. and a suit and tie to broadcast Ohio State, Michigan State out in the freezing cold in the photo deck. You know, we love uh, all the accommodations we get at the shoe, but we do not get an inside heated area to broadcast this game from. 
And so I will have the same experience as many other fans just being outside for the game next week in prime time on November 11th. All year I've been dreading it just because, and, and even before I knew I was going to be broadcasting, I was dreading it as a fan because it's going to be so cold and there's going to be no sunlight either. It's one thing when the temperature is cold, but the sun's still out. When it's nighttime like that and it's freezing and the wind starts hitting, oh no. And it's just cold. It's just cold. And that's all you feel is just cold. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's cool for the TV viewers. It's it's cool for NBC. It's cool for who want to see teams like Ohio State and Michigan at night, but at the end of the day, players still have to play the game in this weather. Fans still have to watch it, and I do think it's better for the Big Ten to just have noon and three thirty games as we get later on into the winter. Reed, do you think there's ever a world where Ohio State and Michigan play a seven thirty kickoff against each other? No chance, because I mean, the the Ohio State Michigan game could have been. I mean, three thirty is an open window for, for big 10 teams. It always has been in November, but Ohio state, Michigan have never played at three 30. It's tradition to play that game at noon. I would be shocked if those teams ever played at a time that wasn't noon. Hey, maybe Michigan and Penn state at seven 30. I could kind of get behind that. that. I could absolutely get behind that. Yeah. Michigan, Ohio state. I think that might be pushing that one. It has been confirmed as big noon for which. Yeah. And I think Fox also just is the way that the television deal works, gets that game. And would not want to give that up. And I assume Fox will probably have the rights to Penn State and Michigan, but I'm not entirely no, sure. No, they, they do. They've, they do? I'm saying Penn State, Michigan has been. Oh, that's confirmed for Big Noon. Like okay. Well, that I didn't see that. I knew Ohio State, Michigan was, but Penn State, Michigan, I did not know. So, well, that's kind of a shame. I would kind of like to see that one at night. I'd feel bad for the fans of both teams who are going in person because they would be freezing. But for me as a viewer, that would be really cool to see on TV. So Great for uh, me as a viewer who's going to get that noon uh penn state michigan game and then 7 30 ohio state michigan state perfect for me. there you go yeah i forgot that those were the same week of course ohio state michigan state next week 7 30 game and then last week of the season i believe a 7 30 game will be michigan state and penn state at ford field in detroit indoors of course which that'll be a friday night though so we friday night yeah saturday so night we could still get a saturday night that's true so uh, interesting to see how all that shakes out, but that's part of the new reality of this new television deal. Night games in November are a thing. All right, Reed, uniform matchup of the week. I'll make this quick. Iowa Northwestern. I love these new Northwestern digs, and uh, Iowa's are classics. What do you think is your uniform matchup of the week? Yeah, I got to go with the same one. I mean, this is one I, th- I feel like most times these two teams play, we pick this uniform matchup, and the colors, I think they clash pretty well, um, especially if Northwestern's in purple. A black Northwestern would still look good against Iowa's uh, black and yellow, but I think uh, purple Northwestern with some white pants would look great against Iowa's regular away set. Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be a special Wrigley Field decal or anything on these uniforms, but I could see that as well, possibly for for both teams, because I know that there are a lot of Hawkeyes who, who are Cub fans as well, and I'm sure that would go over well with uh, a significant portion of their fan base. So that's you know something we're watching for as well. They, they ought to have the coaches' hats on the sideline somehow resemble a baseball hat. Or maybe... You know what? I was going to suggest pinstripe pants, but we saw Notre Dame do that, and it was terrible. So. It, it was really ugly, yeah, when Notre Dame did the Yankee uniforms. But I, I don't know what you could doing... do. Could you do, like, uh, put the Wrigley Field marquee, and it just says Iowa on it or something on the hat? I, I don't know what the rights are for using yeah, that. I could see them some doing some sort of um, bricks and ivy type design. I think Northwestern yes. Gothic jerseys has a little bit of that sort of imagery, so I think they, they could sort of retool that 
to fit Wrigley Field a little bit more, but they're probably just going to wear their standard home uniforms. For That's my guess, but I could see a patch or a decal of some sort or maybe oh, some yeah. sort of special coaches gear on the sideline. That's something worth keeping an eye on. And, hey, I think it would be pretty cool. I think uh, a lot of fans would probably buy that of both teams, obviously. Uh, the Cubs and are a very popular team across a lot of Big Ten country, not just these two schools. And Wrigley Field is, is somewhat of an institution in this part of the country as well. So I think that could be something that's really interesting to see. Sicko's Game of the Week, Nebraska-Michigan State. Not much to say about this one. Michigan State is every bit as bad as we say they are every single week. But, hey – Nebraska's not fun to watch, but they are one game from bowl eligibility, and that is something we're watching for. Yeah. Um, uh, this one, I think the fact that it's at Michigan State, too, is, you know, kind of takes away from some of the intrigue of this one because I don't think Michigan State's going to have the best crowd for it. I think if it was in Nebraska, you'd have a little bit more of – um little bit more just juice around this game mm-hmm. because Nebraska still tends to bring good crowds out. But yeah, I mean, I think especially one, when they're on the cusp of six wins for the first time in a long time. Right. Yeah. But, but then you put it in the home of a team that has six losses. They've lost their last six games. Um, yeah. This one is not going to be the most thrilling. Completely agreed. All right. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with our weekly predictions. Stay tuned. Back here on the first and 10, ready to get into our score predictions for week 10 of Big Ten football. All right, Reed, we're going to start this one off with our game of the week. The number one in the CFP, number three in the SMP, Ohio State Buckeyes headed to Piscataway to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. They're sitting six and two. The Buckeyes are 18 and a half point road favorites. Reed, what is Ohio State going to do here to keep their undefeated season alive? Well, I think Ohio State just sort of keeps it rolling. I don't think it's going to be too much of rocket science beating Rutgers. And even though Rutgers is much better this season than we're typically used to, I mean, you look at their, this resume, six and two, those two losses are at Michigan, at Wisconsin. Those are not bad losses. But at the same time, some of the wins, I mean, a three-point win against Michigan State, you know, and some, some of their wins came against teams like Wagner, Virginia Tech, Temple. I think this is a Rutgers team that's, not as good as the six and two would indicate, but nowhere near as bad as the name Rutgers Scarlet Knights would indicate. Mm-hmm. I still think, I, I think this crowd is going to be pretty heavily Ohio State. I don't think Rutgers, even in a good season, is going to bring too many fans. It's not going to be heavily Ohio State. Heavily is a stretch. Well, oh, that's true. That is a bit. That of is a hell of a stretch. Yeah, but I, I still, I'm going to have to see it to believe it before I think Rutgers really makes this a tough environment to play in, especially at noon. That much is true. A night game, maybe the students really get more activated. Um, I don't think the intangibles will be too much against Ohio State, and I think the players in the field are just much better. Ohio mm-hmm. State, in the past, they've had certain teams like with against Maryland. They tend to play well against Maryland at home, and they struggle on the road. But Rutgers, Ohio State, really always plays well against them at home and on the road. I don't really see too much trouble going Ohio State's way, and maybe that's just a complete jinx that I'm putting into the air right now. But um, I think Kyle McCord, this is a big game for him to sort of get back on track. Two picks last week, a little bit uncharacteristic of him. I think he just sort of gets needs to get back into a groove, and Emeka Buka may be coming back in this one. McCord said that Buka has been looking good in practice. He expected him to play against Wisconsin, and he didn't, and it was more of a precautionary measure, him not playing against Wisconsin. So I think if Buka gets back in the rotation here, we could see more of a well-oiled machine in Ohio State's offense, more reminiscent of the game against Purdue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Reed, I've got Ohio State by 21 here. I think it's a low-scoring game, though, as has sort of been the case for Ohio State this year. But 
like has also been the case. I think they can cover that spread. I, I think they're just straight up the better team. The talent on the field is going to win out, and I think it, it's going to come together late. I think Rutgers can give them a game for uh, about a quarter and a half, and, and people will say, oh, it's only 7-0, but uh, it's not going to be a close 7-0, if you know what I'm saying. Ohio State is never going to be in danger of losing this game. I've got the Buckeyes by 21. Reed, what do you have? Yeah, I think this one could look like the Michigan game where Rutgers was up 7 nothing, and then – you know, it does take a while for Michigan to get things going. But again, I think Ohio State's going to do something similar. I'm going to go Buckeyes by 24, but I wouldn't be surprised if this one is tied or maybe a three-point margin at the half. Absolutely. I, I'm with you there, Reed. All right, so let's go into the next game here in the noon slate. In Bloomington this weekend, Wisconsin at Indiana, uh, the two and six Hoosiers fighting for their lives. Nine and a half point favorites are the Badgers in Bloomington this week, Reed. I've got Wisconsin by 17. Uh, this is just not a very good IU team. And what we saw last week was encouraging at points, but I think ultimately the wind is officially out of this team's sails and uh, against a Wisconsin team that's still fighting for something and fighting to to get to a a decent bowl game with still a chance at eight or nine wins even, and still a chance at getting to the Big Ten Championship. I just don't think IU is going to put up much of a fight. I've got the Badgers here by 17 points. Yeah, if you're Indiana, I think if you get a win against Penn State, then not only does that just put another tally in the win column, the team is also sort of reignited, and the rest of the schedule is not too difficult. Wisconsin is the toughest game left for Indiana. Then it's at Illinois, Michigan State, and at Purdue. There are some there are a handful of winnable games in there. It's I, I, I'm not going to say it's impossible for a bowl game, but it is about as close to impossible as it could possibly be, um, just because... Again, you miss out on that opportunity to get a big win. That's that not only is big just for the standing for morale. Um, I, I think Wisconsin does roll Indiana here. I'm not going to say by 17. I'll say by 10, but it's they're comfortable throughout the game. They're, I don't think they're ever going to be in danger of losing. I think it's 10, and then there's a defensive touchdown late. I see that. And they're never going to be in true danger of losing the game just because of how inept the Indiana offense can be at points. But Wisconsin should take care of business here at 12 p.m. on BTN. Also in the noon window, FS1, Nebraska at Michigan State. Huskers three-point road favorites. Reed, is Nebraska going to get back to bowl eligibility this weekend? I say yes. You know, I love a home dog, but I think Nebraska here covers. I'm going to say Huskers by seven on the road. You know what? I'll sip the Kool-Aid. Let's go. They do it. I'll go Nebraska by six on the road. It's time. It just is. It's been way too long. Nebraska is going to snap the streak. The longest bull drought in the power five. This is the year. All right. Next up, we've got the 330 window. This one's on Fox 330 in College Park. Penn State at Maryland. Two teams that have not been in great form recently. Obviously, we saw what Penn State did last week against Indiana and the week before against Ohio State. And then on the flip side, Maryland, well, it's not September anymore. Nittany Lions, eight and a half point favorites on the road. And I think they take care of business here. Speaking of a game that's going to be heavily one team's crowd, the visiting team, I think this one's going to be heavily Penn State fans like they tend to do in Maryland. They have a, a pretty easy drive com- for compared to how it is for most conference opponents to get there. And a lot of alumni in the D.C. area as well. I think that there's going to be a lot of people wearing white in that crowd. And I think they will Penn State to victory. I have the Nittany Lions here by 10 Reed. I'm going to say Penn State, but I don't actually think they cover here. I think you look at the past two weeks, Penn State may be a little bit demoralized. And Maryland, past three weeks, has also lost three games in a row, two of which to some pretty poor Big Ten West teams. But I still feel like there's a chance for Maryland to give Penn State some trouble because even though Penn State may not view this one as a rivalry, Maryland definitely does have some animosity towards Penn State. 
they do sort of need to right the ship. And what better time than 3.30 on Fox, a big game against a ranked team. I say Maryland gives them trouble, but I think Penn State eventually prevails. I'm going to say Nittany Lions by three. Reed, let's look at these next four games for Maryland real quick. Penn State and Michigan at home, then they're at Nebraska and Rutgers. Is there a chance that Maryland finishes five and seven? Um, I mean, there's always a chance because you lose to Illinois Northwestern. You can't say any game is a gimme, but I think they have to win one of those two against Nebraska and Rutgers, even though Rutgers, again, is solid. And so is Nebraska. Those are both bowl teams, and both of those, the two easiest games they have left, are on the road. That's true. Yeah, you can never say that's impossible that that happens. I still – it's hard for me to predict Maryland not going at least 6-6. and If they don't, I think we have to ask some serious questions about this coaching staff, something worth watching as we enter this final month of the season. All right, Reed, also in the 330 window, Illinois and Minnesota – in Minneapolis, Gophers one and a half point home favorites. This should be a, a pretty ugly game as well between two offenses that to call them inept would be a, a compliment on some days. I've got Minnesota here by three. I actually like Illinois. I think even though they lost most recently against Wisconsin, they're sort of rolling a little bit. A, a big win at Maryland, at least a big win for their standards. And then a, a pretty good game against Wisconsin that they really could have won if one or two things went differently. I like Wisconsin or Illinois, excuse me, sort of turning things around. And I think at Minnesota, it's a team that it will be a challenge for them to win, but it's not going to be too big of a challenge. I think they can do it. I'm going to say a line out by three. All right. Should be a close game, competitive game. I think it'll be low scoring as well. Speaking of low scoring games, Reed, the <laughs> lowest spread in the history of college football, Iowa and Northwestern at Wrigley field. The Hawkeyes are still five point favorites at the home of Chicago Cubs. As the famous marquee says in Chicago, Illinois on the North side, Reed, does Iowa get that long awaited, I don't know. Revenge. Is that the right way of putting it for the game against Minnesota where they really kind of got jobbed by the refs? Are they going to get that revenge this week or do they fold over and let it ruin their season? Seems like there's a lot of stuff going on with this program. Obviously Brian Ferentz isn't coming back. Kirk Ferentz had to put out a statement and say that he's committed to winning and he's committed to the program. Seems like there's a little bit of turmoil. Screw it. Give me the Northwestern Wildcats by three at Wrigley Field. Wow. I think just this game being at a baseball stadium just has a lot of potential for weird things to happen. Ultimate safety game here. I still just think Iowa prevails. I think they're just straight up a better team. And I think even though Northwestern on offense has been able to get a little bit done lately, I think Iowa shuts them down. And I just think, I don't know. It's hard for me to, I want to pick Northwestern. Because, I, you know, we talked about it last episode about how what an amazing coaching job that's being done there, how against all odds they're continuing to succeed. I don't see it continuing this week against Iowa. I still – I'm still going to say Northwestern gets to a bowl game, though. I, I, I hope they win this. I think it would be so interesting if they did. I think we could have a serious conversation about them as potentially getting to a respectable bowl game even. But – Hey, you never know. I think this should be a competitive game, though. Very low scoring, as the spread would indicate. All right, last game, Reed. 7.30 NBC in the big house. Michigan hosting the Purdue Boilermakers. Wolverines, 32.5-point favorites at home, and I think they take care of business here. Michigan by 31 is my pick. I'm going to say Michigan by 49. I got nothing to say about this one. I think they just completely destroy them. Yeah, not even going to be competitive in the slightest, in my opinion and in your opinion. All right, Reed. Let's do some shout-outs before we wrap this one up. Who you got a shout-out this week? 
I'm going to give a shout out to two of my roommates, Matt Levine and Gabe Bogart. Matt Levine, my co-host on Offscript, and Gabe Bogart, his cousin, another good friend of mine. They played a, a show last night, um, performed for a crowd of, I think, about 50 people uh, playing the guitar, singing some songs. And I watched it on a live stream. Great show by them. Shout out to those two. Yeah, good for Matt. That's, uh, that's good stuff. So I'll give a shout out here to my other co-host on my show as well. Uh, Jack Kelson, he's coming up here to Bloomington this weekend. So uh, I'll get to hang out with him. So that's my guy, a uh, friend of both mine and Reed's. So uh, excited to see him this weekend. Good dude. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the first and 10. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your college football Saturday, and we will see you next time. Bye.